0: for our president and our first lady and others who uh, are in leadership positions and who have contracted the COVID-19 disease or uh, have been exposed to it. Um, Many of our citizens and people all around the world have been struggling through this, and we are prayerful and mindful of our first family and of other leaders uh, who are uh, going through that uh, burden right now, and we pray for uh, an end soon to this pandemic, not just for our own sakes here in the United States, but uh, all around the world as uh, as God uh, asking god to to bless us and to bless um, our leaders and to bless our family members and to bless our church. as I pray these days, I pray constantly for uh, my family. Uh, those that I love for uh, our church, uh, those that are in leadership, those who are a part of our church family and for other churches like it. And I pray uh, for our nation and for our world, for our leaders and for uh, this election that's coming up in a little over a month. And also uh, for uh, those who continue to give us guidance and continue to serve Um, It's interesting that here on this day, with such a particular um, uh, situation and time as this, that, um, as Mordecai might have put it, talking to Queen Esther in the book of Esther, uh, that we are at at a special spot in the book of Philippians. We've been going through this book, finding joy in difficult times, not just peace, not just hope, but even joy. And Philippians is a great book that calls us, as you know, to rejoice in the Lord always. Uh, Philippians 4, verse 4 and other places. But this passage that we're in today in Philippians chapter 2 is one of those passages that uh, where Paul speaks about several different things. speaks about examples and role models, and he gives great encouragement uh, to a couple of his co-workers uh, that the Philippians were very much aware of. So uh, I want us to get right to it. Hello to my dear friends, Larry and Lynn Murphy, and others of you that are watching live right now, others that will join in before we're finished uh, here in the next uh, 30 minutes or so, and also those who will watch uh, later as it's posted on my Facebook page and on our West Irwin Church of Christ Facebook page, and also on our website at westerwin.com and our social media and resources live streaming page. Uh, that um, uh, we'll post uh, broadcast at 6 p.m. Central Time, and then we'll post to our archives following that. Um, So uh, let's get to it. Um, And I want you, as we begin, to think of someone who has been an example to you, someone that you have looked at uh, through the years or at times uh, in your life as uh, a living example of what a Christian looks like. Uh, someone who has sacrificed perhaps for you and has helped you. There's a lot on my list that have done that. Uh, someone who has risked something for you, who's actually uh, taken a chance and a gamble, if, if you want to use that word, has actually spent something and risked it on you. Someone who has modeled the life of Christ uh, for you. And as you think of that, um, I, I hope that as we go through this lesson today that you will uh, think of a few names. And I, I would ask you to write them down and to maybe send them a note this week. It's really easy to do that in our uh, highly blessed technological time. You can send them a text message. You can send them an email. Uh, of course, you can send them a card or a letter or just give them a call. Uh, and uh, And you can tell them thank you and tell them that, Somebody asked you one time (laughs) this week to think of somebody that has been especially meaningful for you as an example of Jesus Christ and his love and his service, and you thought of them. I think that would be such a great, uh, great thing to do, to just let them know. And if that's all you think of to say, then you say that and you say thank you. Um, I think it's great for us to be able to Uh, Read the Bible and hear the stories about Paul and Peter and Esther and um, Lydia and Philippi and so many others. But I think it's also important for us to consider uh, the ones who have been those people for us and who have uh, spent time to try to help us be what God is calling us to be. Throughout our lives, there are people we look to as examples and models of the Christian life, and they're not perfect They have their faults, and they have their sins. And so we don't place them in the position of Savior. That role is taken, and quite well, I might add, by the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, But we do hold them up as examples and models. As uh, somebody we look to, they serve the Lord wholeheartedly. They willingly sacrifice and take risks for others. Um, And that list of those that they've sacrificed for uh, includes you. Paul mentions a couple of his fellow workers in the gospel who had been that for the church at Philippi. And, uh, and so it's interesting for me to read these words and to ask myself, who has been this for me? Uh, and again, that list is long. But I also want us to ask a second question today, and that is, would someone say these things about me? Because I have been that kind of person For them, we don't do that in order to receive um, an encouragement card. We don't do that in order to receive a note of thanks or to be patted on the back. We do those things because others have done them for us, and we do those things because Jesus did that for us. So let's look at these passages in Philippians 2. There are two men that are mentioned. The first one is very familiar to us. The second one, not so much, but would be very familiar to the church at Philippi. In fact, uh, likely uh, from there, as we'll read. In Philippians 2, these two men are Timothy and Epaphroditus. And Timothy, you know. uh, And Timothy, you know well. Uh, But let's read what Paul has to say in Philippians 2. Uh, starting in verse nineteen, and remember what leads up to this passage um, in that great verse uh, uh, passage in the first eleven verses, Paul calls on us to live a life of consideration and respect and love and sacrifice for the sake of others, and then he gives us the great greatest example and illustration ever, Jesus Christ, uh, and then he continues on, and he and he calls on us to uh, be faithful and to bring our. Um, our Christian life to a the completion that God has in mind for it as God continues to work in us to work out that salvation um, and then he tells us to do everything without grumbling or complaining starting in verse 14 and to be a willing to be a servant and there are two men that come to mind for him uh, that have a connection with the church at Philippi. One of them is Epaphroditus but the first one he mentions, Is his son in the gospel, uh, Timothy. Philippians 2, beginning at verse 19. I hope in the Lord, Paul writes, to send Timothy to you soon, that I also may be cheered when I receive news about you. He was going to send Timothy to them to check on them and then uh, bring them back some news if he could. I have no one else like him, Paul says in verse 20. And for Paul, he doesn't float words around here around like that without meaning. When he tells people that he's praying for them, he really is praying for them. And many times in his letters, he'll, he'll word that prayer as part of the letter. Here he speaks of Timothy and he simply says, I have no one else like him. What a great, great tribute uh, to this young Christian servant and minister and missionary. I have no one else like him who will show genuine concern for your welfare. Genuine concern. For everyone looks out for their own interests, verse one, not those of Jesus Christ, but you know that Timothy has proved himself because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. My son in the faith, uh, as a son works for his dad. Paul says, Timothy has done that for me and he's done that for me with you in Philippi. I hope that Therefore, verse 23, to send him as soon as I see how things go with me. Remember, Paul is writing from jail, from house arrest, as best we can tell, in the capital city of the empire itself, Rome, and uh, has Timothy there with him, and is, Timothy is helping him, and and um, and Paul says, I, I, there's some things that I need him for here right now, but I hope to send him to you soon. Verse 24, and I am confident in the Lord that I myself will come soon. Again, Paul had told them in um, the first chapter that he was in a difficult situation and position, just like he had been in when he was there working with them in Philippi. He and Silas ending up in jail uh, because of those uh, who were upset with him, uh, because of his compassion for a young woman that they had been taking advantage of in a monetary way. Um, and, and so in the same way, uh, Paul said then, look, to live as Christ, to die is gain. Chapter one, I, if, if I don't ever get out of here and am put to death, then so be it. That will be a blessing for me. But if God has other things in store for me here in this life, perhaps even with you there in Philippi, then so be it. Uh, and again, just as he did in chapter one, it seems like Paul's thinking is he's going to be released and he is confident, he says, in the Lord, that I will come to you soon. So let's talk about this young man, Timothy, before we move on to the lesser known Epaphroditus. Timothy was a native of Lystra in modern day Turkey. Um, You look at the first uh, and second uh, and third mission journeys of Paul and you find him stopping in uh, Lystra. Um, His father was a Greek and his mother was a Jewish believer. We read about that in Acts chapter 16. Uh, Paul refers to Timothy's faith, uh, the faith of his mother and his grandmother. What a great tribute that is as he writes uh, 2 Timothy, and he reminds Timothy of his roots in the word of God, and he uh, tells him uh, to remember that faith that was established uh, from his youth. Uh, in 2 Timothy 3, as he speaks about the inspired word in 2 Timothy 3, verses 15 and 16, and the passage that follows there and in chapter 4. Um, And in 2 Timothy 1, he says, I remember the faith that first dwelt in your grandmother Lois, and then in your mother Eunice, and now in you as well. What a great tribute that is. Grandmother, mother, and then Timothy himself. I remember my friend, Kevin Finley. Shout out to you, Finley, crazy Finley. Um, he, I, he and I were talking one time and I told him, you know, I just I, I, I have to look to make sure I get it right as to which one was Timothy's mother, which one was his grandmother. I know the names are Lois and Eunice, but I never can remember. And he says, well, remember let L-E-T, Lois, Eunice, Timothy. Well done, Crazy Finley. Well done, my dear friend and brother in Arlington, Texas. That is so, so great. And and Paul refers to that uh, as he talks to Timothy in 2 Timothy 1. Uh, in Acts chapter 16, we read that his mother was uh, a Jewish woman who became a Christian, but his father was a Greek. Uh, and possibly Timothy was converted there in Lystra, on his first mission journey, he went through there in Acts 14 along with Barnabas. And Timothy and his mother may have seen all of that uh, then and uh, and uh, become Christians. He joined Paul and Silas uh, on the second mission journey after being circumcised in Acts 16. Remember, his father was a Greek, so his father had probably said when he, Timothy was eight days old, and the law that his mother followed said he's supposed to be uh, circumcised. He drew the line and he said, no son of mine is going to be circumcised. And uh, his mother, being a submissive wife, said, well, that's not what I want, but OK. And then as a grown man, uh, Timothy had never been circumcised. But when he was ready to go with Paul and Silas and join them on the mission journey and the Christians there told Paul, yeah, he's a great. He would be a great asset to you. uh, uh Paul said, well, you're going to have to be circumcised, my friend, because we do a lot of work with Jews and we start in the synagogue everywhere we go. And so you're going to you're going to need to do that. And again, the type of man Timothy was, he said, of course, fine, I'll do that. Um, Not because he had to in order to be saved, but because he had to in order to be able to work so that others could be saved. What again, a great reminder to us, just as everything else we just read of the kind of man. That Timothy was. He became a frequent companion and co-worker with Paul, mentioned, as you know, in several of Paul's letters, including here in Philippians, ministered with the church at Ephesus. Uh, Paul sent him there, and he uh, was there when Paul addresses him in First and Second Timothy. In 1 Timothy 3, he talks to him about uh, appointing men to serve as elders and deacons there in the church at Ephesus. Uh, he was requested by the Apostle Paul to come to him toward the end of his life while he was in prison in 2 Timothy 4. A lot of the sense of urgency that we hear from Paul is uh, surrounds the young man, Timothy Paul, calling on him to come before winter. Do your best to get here before winter, Paul says. There was a sense of urgency as he wrote those words in 2 Timothy 4, and it seems likely that that Paul's life was ended after that imprisonment, a later imprisonment than the one that he's writing from here in Rome, where uh, the emperor Nero has him uh, beheaded. Um, Paul sensed that that was coming. Uh, this one, not this one, he felt strongly that he would be released. Uh, but in that that one, he tells Timothy, get get here as soon as you can. Um, Timothy was imprisoned himself. The writer of the book of Hebrews in chapter 13 uh, mentions that, verse 23, and we read of Paul's closeness to Timothy in the things that he writes in a passage like this, but also in those great letters of 1st and 2nd Timothy. Paul wants to send Timothy to the Philippians as soon as he can, depending on how his own situation went, just as we read. Uh, Timothy, Paul says, looks more after the interests of Christ, of Jesus, than of his own. What a great tribute. Again, a marvelous thing for Paul to tell the Philippians about, about, about Timothy, that he looks after the interests of Christ rather than his own. And again, we're reminded that that's the attitude Paul told them to have in Philippians two: have this attitude among you, this mind uh, that was also in Christ Jesus, who gave up everything for us. And he says, we need to be willing to give up everything for our brother or our sister. Timothy looks more after the interests of Christ, looks more after the interests of others, such as those in Philippi. Uh, One writer says that Timothy had a, quote, self-forgetful devotion. What a great tribute. He had a self-forgetful devotion. He was devoted to others, forgetting about himself. Uh, We certainly see that in Timothy, and what a great tribute that is. Uh, Timothy has a genuine interest in their welfare. It's not pretend. It's not something he's doing just to be seen by others. As Jesus warned in Matthew chapter 6, Paul wants to send Timothy for them and not just to them. Uh, Timothy has proved himself through Christian service uh, that the apostle witnessed firsthand. Paul saw Timothy, saw his devotion, saw his heart, uh, saw his sacrifice, uh, and they worked side by side. As co-workers, as a father and son, for the sake of the gospel of Timothy, Paul says, as we read, I have no one else like him. What an incredible tribute. Uh, Well, Paul holds Timothy up as an example to the Philippians, but he also holds this man by the name of Epaphroditus up. So let's read about him in Philippians 2, starting in verse 25. But I think it is necessary to send back to you Epaphroditus, my brother, co-worker and fellow soldier who is also your messenger whom you sent to take care of my needs say more about that in a moment but it's clear from these words that paul is not sending timothy to them right now but wants too soon but he is sending epaphroditus and epaphroditus had come to paul from philippi with uh gifts monetary gifts to help paul as he continued his ministry even while incarcerated under house arrest in rome um Paul continues uh, in verse 26, for he longs for all of you and is distressed because you heard he was ill. Indeed, he was ill and almost died. But God had mercy on him and not only on him, but also on me to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. Uh, And so whatever it was, Epaphroditus was very ill. And we don't know exactly what that was. We don't know what happened to him. But Paul mentions it here, and he says that the church at Philippi knew about that. And Paul wanted them to know that he was okay. Uh, Therefore, verse 28, I am all the more eager to send him, so that when you see him again, you may be glad, and I may have less anxiety. Paul was worried about the Philippians worrying about Epaphroditus and worrying about Paul as well. So when he sends him to them... They'll be able to see and hear firsthand what's going on. So then, verse 29, welcome him in the Lord with great joy and honor people like him, because he almost died for the work of Christ. He risked his life to make up for the help you yourselves could not give me. Something very similar to what he writes to Philemon uh, about this same time. Philemon, a leader in the church at Colossae, uh, also there, uh, not too far from uh, uh, one of the places that Paul writes to from uh, this house arrest at Rome. Uh, and as he writes to the church at Colossae near Ephesus in the western part of modern-day Turkey, uh, he writes to them and he uh, writes a special letter to Philemon about his return slave, Onesimus. And he, he tells him, look, you, he ran away from you. He escaped, but when I found him, I converted him to the Lord, and now I'm sending him back to you, not as an escaped slave, but as a brother in Christ, and I expect you to act the way I know that you should act, and Paul doesn't make him do it, doesn't command him to do it, but that little short one chapter note that Paul writes to Philemon is well worth your read uh, because you hear Paul's heart, and you hear him saying things without saying them. And one of the things he tells Philemon is, Onesimus has been a real big help to me. In fact, he was a help to me that you could not give or did not give. And in the same way, Paul is speaking to the church at Philippi about Epaphroditus. They all couldn't go to help Paul, but Epaphroditus did. Um, And so this great passage in Philippians 2, verses 25 through 30, about this man, Epaphroditus, let's talk about him for a moment. Much less than Timothy, uh, much less is known about Epaphroditus. He was from Philippi, had brought their gifts and offerings of support to Paul and is now being sent back to them by Paul along with this letter. In chapter 4, Paul mentions that in verse 18 about the gifts that they sent. Uh, he alludes to that in chapter 1 as he talks about their partnership in the gospel, partnership in the ministry that Paul was doing, uh, the fellowship. That's that word koinonia that Paul uses in Philippians 1. And, because, and the way they were partners with him was because of their monetary and financial support. They had their support through prayer. But they weren't there in person, but they did send one of their own, Epaphroditus, to Paul with money to help him survive in this ministry and get by and have the things he needs. Just like Jesus had individuals who took care of his needs during his lifetime ministry, Uh, several women who provided for uh, Jesus and the apostles while they were uh, preaching that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Uh, Here, Paul alludes to the church at Philippi as being uh, uh, people who supported him in his ministry. uh, And what a great blessing uh, that was. He is not to be confused with Epiphras, who is also mentioned uh, as Paul writes to the church at Colossae, the book of Colossians. Uh, Epiphras was from Colossae and uh, perhaps was very important for them, just like Epaphroditus is for the church at Philippi. Uh, For the Philippians Um, in verse 25, Paul calls Epaphroditus, my brother, my fellow worker, my fellow soldier, and he uses the term there as as um, the Philippians messenger when he brought that gift to Paul. And that term is one term that we translate, uh, have a a transliteration of the term apostle. And depending on the context, like the term deacon, it can mean a specific kind of person, such as an apostle, one of the 12 original apostles, or Paul, who calls himself an apostle in a very authoritarian way. this, uh, this term is one that is uh, dis- defined, really, the term is one sin on a mission. Jesus called those 12 apostles in a specific way, and they, they were all disciples, all of those who followed him, but these men were apostles. They were the ones that were in Jesus' closest inner circle and that would be given much responsibility when he left. Uh, to continue this new church. And then um, uh, Matthias was added to their number to replace Judas Iscariot. And later, Paul himself uh, would describe himself as one called by Jesus in a special way on that road to Damascus, and then being baptized and having his sins washed away in the city by Ananias, that Christian man who came to him after Paul had been praying and fasting for three days and telling him that Jesus has a mission for him. And Paul felt that. Um, We see that term used to refer to others, uh, Paul and Barnabas in chapter 14, and we realize that they were sent with a message uh, by the church at Antioch of Syria uh, to uh, share the gospel of Jesus Christ uh, throughout modern day Turkey. Uh, in that first mission journey, Junius and, Al- and Andronicus in and Romans 16, uh, Titus and the brothers that Paul uh, mentions, and then even Jesus himself in Hebrews 3, verse 1, uh, is called One Who Was Sent With a Message. And we we get that. We get that. Paul uses priestly terms, ministry terms in this language as he describes Epaphroditus. And in chapter four, he also uses um, a priestly or ministry term to refer to their gift. Like the Jews would sacrifice a gift on the altar uh, for God, uh, Jesus, uh, Paul refers to the gifts that the Philippians sent for him, the monetary gifts, the sacrifices they made Uh, for him as a similar kind of offering. Um, In the last few verses, Epaphroditus is seen as one who is longing for his church family uh, and is concerned for them even in his own serious illness. And it seems to be this is an illness brought on by that journey. Uh, Perhaps that journey from Philippi to Rome and the difficulties that he had there at Rome. Somehow or another, just like with Paul's sword in the flesh, we don't know specifics on this. Um, But Paul and Epaphroditus are worried about the church at Philippi, his Christian family. Uh, there in uh, in Philippi, the Philippians, that they're going to they've heard that he uh, has has been struck ill, perhaps injured or some kind of illness along this journey. And they're worried about it. They're worried about their brother. And so Paul and Epaphroditus are, are, are worried about the church, the Christians at Philippi because of their concern for him. This was another reason why Paul wanted to get Epaphroditus back home. Uh, Timothy, he would send later, but he wanted Epaphroditus to get back there so that they could see him. You know, there's nothing like seeing a loved one after surgery, is there? I've been been there with families many, many times, and many of you have as well. You have the doctor come out or or someone on the medical team come out and talk to you, or the doctor calls you and you, you uh, go to the phone and you hear them say, well, your loved one is doing well. Uh, The surgery went okay. They're going to be in recovery for a while. They'll come back to get you in just a little bit uh, when it's okay to come in and see them. And though you're so relieved, it's nothing like seeing them. It's nothing like being there with them. And that's that's how the Philippians felt about Epaphroditus. They loved him. He was one of their own. They had sent him on this mission, on this journey, uh, to take their gifts uh, and offerings to Paul while he was under house arrest in Rome. This man who had brought the gospel to them. Now they were trying to help him in his ministry to others as well and now they hear that their brother that they had sent uh has has fallen ill or been injured and and they're they're worried uh they're worried and so Paul is ready to get Epaphroditus back home to them so that they can see with their own eyes how he's doing and he can tell them firsthand how the apostle Paul is doing uh verses 29 and 30 that we read uh, tell how serious this was that Epaphroditus actually risked his life uh, for them, and that term is used only here in the New Testament, and and it it kind of means to gamble, to to risk in such a way that you're gambling. Uh, Epaphroditus gambled with his life for the sake of the Philippians and for the sake of Paul the apostle, and they they appreciated that, and Paul acknowledges that. Um, And so we look back now, before we close today, at these two great men, Timothy and Epaphroditus, uh, that meant so much to the Philippians that Paul would mention them. And Epaphroditus... Uh, One who was one of their very own that had traveled uh, to Paul and Timothy, of course, there with Paul and Silas uh, on that second mission journey after the church had been established. And perhaps Timothy himself baptized on that first journey that Paul and Barnabas uh, took there. Um, And now we see uh, him joining Paul and Silas and going with them. Uh, and, and and going across uh, to modern-day Greece and hearing and, and answering that Macedonian call and going to that northern province of Greece, um, Macedonia, and going to those cities of Thessalonica and Berea, but first at Philippi. Um, Timothy and Epaphroditus show us what those who are models and examples are and do for others such as the persons you have had in your mind since we started this lesson. Remember, I ask you to put a few people in your mind that have been this kind of example and model for you, someone who has sacrificed for you, someone who has taken risks uh, for you. Uh, We might say someone who has gone all in for you. There are people who have been that for me everywhere I've been, including right here at West Irwin. There are people who have been that for you. Um, they are willing to risk something for you and they have gambled that you're worth their effort and sacrifice just as Epaphroditus did. Just like Timothy and Epaphroditus were held up as examples for the Philippians, we have those we know who have been great examples and models of the Christian faith for us. But I told you at the beginning that I wanted us to ask two questions. One was, who has been this for me? But the second is just as important, and that is, Have I been this, this model, this uh, uh, person who sacrifices, who is all in? Have I been that for someone else? Throughout our lives, there are people who look to you and to me to be examples and models of the Christian life. We're not perfect. We're not sinless. And they know that we have our faults. We have our sins. But others look to us to see what it means, what it looks like to serve the Lord wholeheartedly, to willingly sacrifice and take risks for others, including them. There are people that God has called you to, has sent you to with a mission, with a message, uh, to share the message of Christ, to be the life of Christ right in front of them so that they can see a hands-on example of what that looks like we should each ask ourselves this question today is there someone who would write my name down to send a note of gratitude for the example I've been to them remember I said send them a text message send them an email write them a note send it in the mail give them a call tell them what they've meant to you is there someone that comes to your mind that would actually do that for you not because you're glorying in what you've done and sacrifice, but because you know that just as people have done that for you, you have been there in the same way for others. Uh, not because we want praise and appreciation, but because we want to have an impact for Christ on others. And because he has sent us to them on a mission with a desire to help them come to know him better. If you're a Christian then if you're a disciple of Jesus Christ, then you're an example and a model to others for Christ. We each should say, as Paul does to the Corinthians, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. First Corinthians 11, verse one. We have had people who have been that for us. The Philippians had Timothy and Epaphroditus. Who was that? Who were that for them? Are you being that for someone else? Let's close with prayer. Father, thank you for the examples in our lives, for those who have lived the Christian faith right in front of us. Thank you for the opportunity, Father, for us to be that for others. We pray today, Father, for our families, for our loved ones, those that are close by, those that are far away. We pray today, Father, for our churches, for uh, our church leaders, and for the ones that we are able to worship with and live our lives with that are such an encouragement to us and Give us an opportunity to be an encouragement to them. And Father, we pray for our nation and our world, especially Father, we pray for our President and First Lady, and we pray for others that have been affected by this novel coronavirus. And we pray for others, uh, Father, who are in leadership positions within our land and for this election, um, for um, uh, President Trump and Vice President Pence, for Vice President Biden and Senator Harris, and for the decisions That our nation is making um, about our future. We ask your blessing and we ask your guidance and we pray, Father, that your will would be done. But even, Father, far beyond the significance of of this year for us here in America, as significant as it is, we know, Father, that uh, there's an even greater choice going on in the lives of people. And that is whether or not to follow you. And so we pray, Father, that like Timothy and Epaphroditus and even Paul himself were for the church of the Philippians. We pray, Father, that we would be that for others, that we would offer them an example of encouragement, of sacrifice, of service ourselves to you, first of all, and then of of, uh, unselfishness as we seek to help them. Uh, be faithful disciples to you as well. Help us, Father, to tell others thank you for how they have modeled the life of Christ for us. And help us, Father, to be that for others as well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless. I'll see you soon.